Please be seated. This is a great musical Sunday, isn't it? It's fun. Gustavo, I said, that was a great song, As It Is in Heaven. I heard that years ago, and I keep slipping it Greg's way, like, hey, this is a great song, Greg. And finally, I just wore him down like the persistent widow, like we need to do it. So I hope y'all, as we sing it more like that song, and Gustavo said, just wait till we get to the offertory. So it was, it was amazing, amazing musical Sunday. So I could read you this scripture, but this is a scripture you actually already have memorized. It's the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks, um, because we say this every week. Every week. We don't do anything else the same. You'd say, oh, we sing the Gloria every week. And I would say, not at 8.30. Touche, right? So this is the one thing that we do the same every single week. And if we do it the same, and we think it's important to say these words, then I want us to dig deeper to know what it is we're asking of God and what it is we're committing ourselves to, and what it means in our lives when we pray these words, all of us all together. So to begin, let's say our scripture, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let me frame this out. Um, there, was, there are two versions of this prayer. You can find it in um, Matthew chapter 6, or you can find it in Luke chapter 11. And they're only slightly different. Um, Matthew is a little bit longer. And as, we, as we're going to see, the prayer that we pray is a little bit longer than the one in Matthew. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's only 52 words in Greek, just 52 words, and most of them are one syllable. So they're simple words. Um, around this passage, Jesus says that, uh, it, reading it in the two different versions, um, Jesus says a couple different things about prayer. He says you shouldn't um, think that prayer is the number of words you say which sometimes we're looking for a word count, right? Like, admit it. You think, if I, keep, if I keep saying this, God will know that I'm really, really serious about this, right? And he'll give me what I want. Um, or maybe it will count more if I say it more. Um, and Jesus also says it doesn't need to be um, a showy thing when we pray. And a lot of times we really do pray. When we worry about prayer, we think, what does that person think of what I'm praying? Or what is the, you know, I think sometimes when I stand here and I have to pray on behalf of all of us, I think, oh, gosh, I hope that spoke to people in the church, you know. So Jesus says, um, first of all, don't worry about that. It's not a word count. And he gives us this very simple prayer. Actually, he didn't give it to us directly. He gave it to his disciples. So his disciples um, saw his life. They saw how powerful he was. Because think about it. Every time Jesus prayed, God answered. Every single time. If you met somebody like that, you'd want to learn from them, right? Jesus would also go away to these quiet places. And in the midst of a very busy schedule, when you and me would say, we don't have time, <laughs> I need to get to work, he would break away and pray. 
And so his disciples come to him and in the Luke um, passage say, teach us how to do that like you do it. You, you seem to have something we don't have. Would you, would you teach that to us? Now, this is important because in the book of Matthew, it's interesting. It kind of throws a monkey wrench in my thing. In the book of Matthew, he just teaches it to everyone. In the book of Luke, he teaches it to his disciples. But whoever was sitting at his feet at that time, we can assume they wanted to be there. If you're, if you're there for bread, you're there for one reason, right? If you want to see a miracle, you're there for something else. If, if you need your child to be healed or you need to be cleansed of leprosy or you're lame, you're saying, you don't say, hey, Jesus, teach me how to pray. You say, heal my leg or help my child or whatever the situation is. Now, these people had gone past that first, give me, and then they said, teach me. Help me to be shaped by prayer the way you are. Now, I love this because our church began, if you think about the disciples in a community, our church began um, with people who wanted that same kind of community. Now, this is the reason I say this, is because what does the prayer start with? Think of the first word. Our. Plural, right? So this is a prayer that you don't pray at home in your closet alone, right? This is, there's a reason we pray it in church is because just that first pronoun, our, means that I have to be sitting next to somebody else to say that. I have to be with some other believer to pray this prayer, which is kind of cool. And I think that's Jesus' purpose is when they say, teach us to pray, he doesn't say, okay, here's a prayer that you can take to the mountainside and be alone with God. The one prayer Jesus teaches us is a corporate prayer. Pulls us together. Now, the most common objection I hear nowadays to um, church, organized religion, welcome to organized religion, my friends. We're a part of it is that people say, well, I'm spiritual, but I don't like that organized religion, right? Fair. Um, because when you involve other people, it gets kind of messy sometimes. They don't always agree with you. And we're a church that says, we're here if you've been hurt by another group of people, by a person in church. We're going to try to help God heal that in your life. So we acknowledge that People can hurt us, that it's painful, and yet Jesus draws us into community with this prayer by not giving us one that we pray on our own, by giving us one we have to pray together. Now think about when this church got started. There were a lot of individual people who had faith in this area. What was missing is the rest of them the people to worship with, the people to live life together with, the people to pray with you when you're hurting and to serve alongside you down at Helping Hand Crisis Ministry, the people to change the world with, that's what was missing. And so when our church got started, it wasn't because people were lacking faith. They had it. They were lacking community. And so you'll see that thread running through Bee Creek UMC. I wore this shirt on purpose. What's the pronoun? I love this shirt. I mean, I might be a little embarrassed to wear an I believe shirt, right? But we believe, 
I mean, suddenly I'm not standing alone. I'm with all of you when I wear this shirt. And people will go, who believes? And what do you believe? And I'll say, this is my church. This is Bee Creek, and we believe in God. And we believe we're imperfect and that we're being transformed and that we'll change the world. And what does our vision statement say? It draws on this that's in our nature as a church. It says, Bee Creek UMC is a community. Oh, that's important. It's not a throwaway. It's a community of imperfect people who experience the perfect love of God, are transformed, and change the world. How? Together. See where we're getting this idea? It's knit into our DNA from the beginning. From the very early start of the church, we are called to be in community with each other. Our. Now think about, actually I want to show you something. In case you don't believe me, and it gets, lets me use my laser pointer. Okay, here's the word R. That Greek word right there, this is an interlinear, is hamis. That's how you say that. And unfortunately it didn't show up very well, but look at this. Do you see how it's that same word that's translated our, we, us? And do you see how if you heard Jesus pray this prayer over and over and over again, what would you hear? Hey, mice. Hey, mice. Hey, mice. It's like a thread. Do you see the thread that runs through this prayer? Hey, mice, right? It's running through it. It's linking it all together, that this is something we say together. Okay, take it a step further. Remember what you know about the disciples. They were ordinary people, right? But they weren't a homogenous group, were they? We had people from the north and the south. Just in our history, do those groups get along? Right? I was up with the Yankees this week, and they're just differences, right? They are. God bless some of y'all. Some of y'all come up to me and we're like, I'm a little direct, but remember I'm a Yankee. Northerners and Southerners, there's always been differences. There were differences in the disciples, north and south. Remember that there were older brothers and younger brothers. Did any of y'all have brothers? Older or younger? Kids? Do they always get along? Some tension there. Remember that there were fishermen. Um, I, I really enjoy getting to know fishermen because I'm, I'm like, maybe you could get to know each other and share your favorite fishing spots. <laughs> they are not doing that. So if you have two groups of brothers who are in this commercial fishing enterprise in the same town, are they like good buddies? Those are rivals, right? I mean, they might enjoy each other, but when they go out fishing, they're open. They get to the spot with the fish, not that other guy. And remember there were tax collector, there was a tax collector which is on this end of the political spectrum, and there was a religious zealot who's on this end of the political spectrum. And what's the first word Jesus tells him to pray? Our. Oh, now he's meddling. He's pulling us together suddenly. So we have to remember when we get here that we may vote different ways, grow up in different places, be indifferent, maybe sometimes opposed professions, and we bow our heads and we say the word our, and suddenly we have something stronger than those divisions to pull us together. Now, Jesus takes it further, right? His our what? Oh, 
Do you have the same daddy as me? No, right? We grew up in different families, all of us. None of us have the same father. Well, I think there are some brothers and sisters in here. But most of us come from different families. We grew up in different decades, in different towns. And suddenly when we say just these first words, our father, we're not strangers or neighbors or even friends sitting together. You're my sister and my brother. All of us. Just say these words, and you're with your family. It's powerful. That's a stronger power running through all of us when we say, Our Father, than any division we might ever have. That's why we call each other brother and sister in church. It's a pretty cool thing. Now, Let's, I want to tell you a story. I was, in, um, I was in Corazon. These are the ruins here. And some of y'all remember, some of y'all were there. And the only other people who were there besides our tour group was this little family. And I don't really know why they were there. Um, the kids were running around. But I remember we were in the synagogue. And this is Corazon's a town um, near where Jesus, near Capernaum. So he, Jesus was there, and our guide was talking to us in the synagogue and telling us how this was a synagogue where Jesus would have been, um, where he would have taught. And so it was this amazing place to just sit in a synagogue where Jesus was. But I got distracted because outside the door, outside, this little family runs up, and the kids are talking. They don't know to be quiet, you know, and respectful. They're chattering, chattering, and suddenly... I heard the little boy say, Abba, Abba. And then something like, look at me. It was all in Hebrew. But my kids call out to Kevin like that. And I called out to my daddy like that when I was a little girl. And suddenly that word that Jesus used for Father Abba, which I had always known in a scholarly, sterile way, was the way Jesus referred to God. Suddenly, when you hear this little boy 2,000 years later talking to his daddy, and he's saying, Abba, that's what it means to call God Father. It means that when we reach out to God, we're like reaching out to our daddy. Daddy. Our daddy. Will you look at me and listen to what I'm praying? And that's such a powerful shift from the vision of God we have in the Old Testament. The vision of God in the Old Testament is that God is the creator. God is the redeemer and the deliverer. Um, there's a lot of imagery of God's strong arm and his outstretched hand, right? Um, there's his divine name, Yahweh, right, which he gives to Moses, which was so holy that when the people read the scripture in church, they wouldn't say it. They would, the Jewish people will never say the divine name Yahweh because to let that pass over my lips makes something holy and profound unclean, no matter how good I'm trying to be. They, they wouldn't even 
think it. You're not even allowed to think it. And so when you get, if you look in your Bible and you see those places in the Old Testament where there's a little Lord, it's all caps, but the O-R-D is lowercase, that's the divine name. So when they were reading, and then God did this, and then Yahweh did this, they'd say, and then Adonai, the Lord, did this. So God is so holy and so powerful that I, there's, he gave us his name, we can't even say it. And then his son comes. He says, if you're going to pray, then say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he doesn't lop off, hallowed be thy name. He doesn't change that God's name is holy and that he deserves our awe. He just says, begin with the fact that God wants a relationship with you. Like your daddy. Our Father, may your name be kept holy. One more thing. If you look in your study guide, I want you to look in there right now. I put a version for you of this prayer. This is a modern version. And... If you've wondered sometimes about what the the prayer means, then this is a modern version. The interesting thing is, we don't say it like this, do we? Every other scripture we read in church, I want it to be accessible in everyday language. But not this one. This one we keep saying in King James. We have for hundreds of years. You want to know why? So we can say it together. So we keep teaching it to our children in the same version that we learned it in so that when they get into church, they can be part of our Father, of saying the prayer. I would argue that the Lord's Prayer is one of our last oral traditions in our culture. Culture is written. This is one of the few things that we hand down, generation to generation, mouth to mind. Who taught it to you? When was that? Do you remember their voice? Do you remember maybe your parents gathering you into your brother's bedroom at night and all sitting on the bed and holding hands and saying it together? You remember sitting in a Sunday school class and a teacher teaching it to you so that you could say it with the church? I remember my grandfather. He died four years ago. And I was up in Washington, D.C. this week, and there was an honor flight of World War II veterans um, that came through the terminal, and They're all in wheelchairs now, almost every single one of them. And they said this whole flight is full of World War II veterans going to the memorial. And the entire terminal for 30 minutes stood and clapped. And I clapped right along with them, and I was just crying. So I was thinking about my grandfather. How I wish he could have seen that. 
the beauty of the Lord's Prayer is every time I pray it, I hear his voice. I hear that beautiful, deep voice of his behind mine. Praying right along with me. And I think of that. And we say, Our Father. It's not just all of us, brothers and sisters, here. It's all of those clouds of witnesses in heaven. The generations gone by, the people who taught you. Why shouldn't they be praying it with us in heaven? So it's all of our Father. So what do we remember? Well, just remember the first word. Our. Our Father. Remember how it connects you to the people around you. Even the ones you don't know. How it makes us into a family. How it helps us together say, God, we need you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the saints. And we thank you for Jesus who taught us to pray. And we do pray that you would bind us together beyond all the differences that separate us. That you would help us to remember that when we come here, we have a family. We're surrounded by our brothers and sisters. And that we get to reach out to you, Father. And that you are reaching out to us, too. We ask that you would guide us, Lord. Help our steps to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.